Hello and welcome to another Imagining Freedom podcast. I was glad when I heard that people were protesting against the current lockdowns. If you've listened to my other episodes of this podcast, you'll know that I don't think that lockdown is the best way to treat this or to combat this particular disease. And I'll go into that more later. Most of the protests I've heard about have been in the United States, but there have also been protests in Chile, Brazil, Canada and Berlin. But already the protests are being dismissed by the mainstream media as right-wing. An opinion piece in The Guardian says, Like the Tea Party, the demonstrations are a blend of grassroots and astroturf activism, and they are key to Trump's election hopes. That article opens with, This weekend, thousands of right-wing Americans took to the streets. And then it continues, The protesters were expressing the usual hodgepodge of right-wing grievances. The Sun's report on the protests focuses on President Trump and it opens with Donald Trump has insisted anti-lockdown protesters are social distancing despite pictures showing them packed to get together. The President last week voiced his support for the protesters calling them very responsible people. The photo that the Sun uses in its article does show the protesters standing very close together but none of them in that photograph are carrying banners supporting Trump. Brazil's far-right President Bolsonaro actually joined the protesters, describing them as patriots, which seems quite bizarre. Apparently the lockdowns in Brazil have been imposed by state governors, whom Bolsonaro describes as dictatorial. The mainstream media's attitude has annoyed me throughout this whole coronavirus episode. The media has reacted with hysteria from the early days, which made the whole thing seem a bit cartoonish to me. It's very difficult to get any kind of realistic perspective on this crisis due to the over-dramatisation of every incident. And now with the lockdown protests being presented along narrow party political lines, again, the accuracy and the facts are distorted. Political bias probably does play a part in the protests. And that is part of the problem. Most people are not thinking critically. They're allowing themselves to be manipulated by people who use political divisions for their own ends. It's the old divide and conquer strategy once again. When you think along tribal lines, you're not really thinking at all. In general, I tend to be more left of centre, but I would never cling to left-wing ideology. I think the lockdowns are a very bad idea and I'm cooperating with the lockdown in my country because I am aware that I'm not always right and I don't have all the answers. But personally, I think there are better ways to treat this disease. Even when you think that coronavirus is a potentially deadly disease that could kill me, I would rather take that chance and live a a free life than be locked up at home. I personally think it should be the most physically vulnerable who are protected and sheltered at home, allowing the rest of the population to gradually build up herd immunity Life is full of hazards, and we all have to die someday. I don't want to live a living death. That's my personal philosophy, and I've been really surprised, actually, at how few of my friends share my views, especially since most of my friends are, like me, hillwalkers and climbers. Hillwalking and climbing are not risk-free activities. Many of my friends seem to be almost hysterical with fear, I'm starting to see that my early exposure to serious illness and death when I was a tiny child 
may also have had some benefits, despite the fact that this illness left me with lasting psychological scars, some of which I'm still coping with to this day. But certainly, my thoughts on COVID-19 and the lockdowns have nothing whatsoever to do with any thoughts about Donald Trump or Boris Johnson. I've never voted Conservative, and the last time I voted Labour was in 1997. If I was American, I would not have voted for Donald Trump, and I would not have voted for Hillary Clinton. I would have voted none, as I do in UK general elections. I have my own mind, and I don't take my opinions from politicians. But because I dare to think independently, instead of slavishly nodding in agreement to all mainstream dogma, this seems to genuinely shock many people I know, intelligent people who are perfectly capable of having their own opinions. It's almost as if they think that if they dare to have an unregulated thought that their tribe might not approve of, they might get drawn in by the other side and maybe lose their identity or something. It leads to a kind of moral self-righteousness that I really don't think we've seen since the days of Lady Bountiful in Victorian times. And this attitude of moral superiority was exemplified in a post that was recommended to me by Google, presumably because Google has noticed that I'm crazy about climbing. The post was called Pretending Not to Climb, and it appeared in a blog called Evening Sends. I'll put the link in the show notes. So this post describes protesters, anti-lockdown protesters, as the usual broken brain loudmouths on the political right who are paradoxically using the lower fatality numbers as evidence that this was all a liberal hoax all along. And now they're even coming out to gather publicly in protest by exposing themselves to potential contact with the virus. What they're actually protesting is somewhat unclear to me, the article goes on. Are they trying to preserve their right to get as sick as they want and put others' lives at risks as well? Only in America is the right to be as dumb and ignorant as you please seen as as the highest value by at least half of the voting population. So I think particularly from that last sentence, it's clear that the writer of that article is pigeonholing the anti-lockdown protesters as Trump supporters. And he also refers to them as Trump's cult army. He might have a point because right-wingers are just as tribal as left-wingers. The writer continues to pile up more stereotyped insults, probably thinking he's being hilarious. He writes... These are the same people who protest Earth Day by letting diesel trucks idle and who burn sneakers they've already paid for because they don't like it when their sports stars remind them that societal injustice exists. You get the sense that they might stick their heads in ovens if it sufficiently annoyed liberals. And then he adopts a tone of moral piety when describing his own kind of people. The climbing world, fortunately, is a far happier place though we are not immune to our own varieties of bad thinking. This implies that everyone in the climbing world is righteous. It reminds me of a moralising Victorian missionary. The climbers who are doing the bad thinking, in the writer's opinion, an opinion which he also describes as wisdom later on in the feature, he describes these climbers as the pretenders, or those who have pretended to stop climbing. I think people resort to insults when they don't have a better argument. Even though I've never been a fan of Trump from long before he entered politics, I get really irritated by those joke books that take huge pleasure and profits by ridiculing him. 
Not because I think politicians shouldn't be ridiculed. They certainly should. But because it's such an impotent reaction. It's like a bad, bad loser syndrome. A big venting of steam by the people who didn't like the way the election turned out. And who will be really frustrated until their chosen horse wins the next election or the one after that. It's such a powerless and ineffectual reaction. They're effectively saying our tribe is helpless until our side wins the vote. The one thing they won't admit is that the political system they put so much faith in is broken and corrupt. It's as if their whole identity and outlook on life might shatter if they were to entertain such an idea. I think we need to learn to take much more personal responsibility for our lives and to stop expecting these political figures to sort everything out for us. We need to wake up to our own power. And I'm not talking about overthrowing governments here. We need to stop relying on convenience and instead wake up to our own skills and abilities. And this is one of the main themes of this podcast. People get very upset about the wrong politicians getting into power, about the wrong political decisions being made, or even about people having the wrong opinions. But how many of these people have ever written to their MP or their MSP or even their MEP How many of those people have taken the time to look more deeply at the facts behind those glaring headlines? Why are people focusing all their energies on a politician or another authority figure and leaving all the work and the power to them? People give away so much of their power to these authority figures. I don't think it's just laziness that makes us do it. It's partly because we're so busy trying to cope with our increasingly demanding working lives and family commitments. And there's little energy left over for doing anything else, apart from leisure pursuits or watching the telly. I think there's also a fear that comes into it. Most people are so terrified of losing their job because they have mortgages and maybe car loans and other loans to pay off, bills to pay, families to feed. I think many people are struggling really hard to stay afloat, so they don't even have the time or the guts to check their bank statements. Many people are just getting ripped off right, left and centre. You get into a kind of cycle of convenience where you hardly notice what's going out and what's coming in. It's a bit like being on a treadmill where every now and then you step off for a few minutes to take a drink and then you get back on and keep running. I think we need to try and get more control back over our lives. In my opinion, actions like buying something in an independent shop or growing some vegetables or taking a couple of minutes to do a quick background check before you share a snippet of news on social media can be much more effective than hating someone because they support a different political party than you do. And it can even be more effective than going out to vote. Not voting is such a contentious issue for many people I know. They get so shocked and they always say, but our ancestors died for the vote. I respond, our ancestors didn't die for the vote, they died for democracy. And what we have in Britain today is not democracy, it's a total sham, a risible excuse for democracy. Our system of democracy and freedom and the checks and balances that have made Britain the place that people want to live in, it's often taken for granted. It didn't just happen overnight. It's shocking to think that just 200 years ago this month, an uprising began in the west of Scotland that culminated in sentences that that most people would associate with the Middle Ages or maybe the Tudor period. The leaders of the uprising, whose main aims were democracy, were sentenced to be hung, drawn and quartered. 
That was in 1820. Their sentences were commuted to hanging and then beheading because of the hostility of the crowd who were on the side of the protest leaders. The crowd would not permit the full gory sentence to be carried out. I'll say more about this in a future podcast. If you've enjoyed listening to my podcast, please subscribe so that you don't miss future episodes. If you want to make a comment, download a transcript or view the show notes, go to imaginingfreedom.co.uk. Thanks for listening.